Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Off the back of the rim, no good. Allen, offensive rebound, up with the left hand, and he rolled it in. Second and third efforts by the big man, setting the tone. Bounce down low to McGee. Turnaround, bank shot, good. How about the game for JaVale McGee off the bench? That's right, he's the leader of the bench crew. Garland back to Sexton, three ball, good! Colin Sexton, back-to-back bombs. Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Thank you for joining us on the First Energy Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Production Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Great to have you with us. Yes, March has arrived. Spring is right around the corner. The Cavs are riding a four-game winning streak. Everything's looking good here in Cleveland. Jim Jones, great to be with you. And again, uh, all kidding aside, that four-game winning streak, I think that's boosted everybody's spirits. Yeah, and well it should because uh, uh, at this time of the year, there's not many opportunities for teams to lose 10 games and still have an opportunity to, if you don't make the playoffs, at least make the play off, you know, where they get an opportunity 7 through 10. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where this young team is focused. Jim, uh, what have you seen in this four-game winning streak? What has really stood out to you? Well, the main thing is how they continue to play together and how they play defense first and the development of their guard play and the addition of Jared Allen. Those those things are the most things that stand out for me, and it's been a strong contribution for their ability to win games lately. Well, speaking of guard play, boy, we've got a very special guest coming up a little bit later on during Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, one of the all-time great guards in Cavaliers history, and certainly one of the best in the NBA. Mark Price is going to stop by and pay us a visit. I know, uh, again, you had pulled Mark out of that black book of yours, but you've got, <laughs> you've got a pretty special relationship with Mark. Yeah, I, 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 I do, with his father and also with his brother. Their dad was just a unique, uh, even-tempered, great person and who had an unbelievable thirst and love for the game of basketball. So we're really looking forward to talking with Mark Price, and Jim and I will also continue to look back at the first half of the season and kind of delve into uh, what has made this team successful under the leadership of one J.B. Bickerstaff. So stay with us. We've got a busy hour ahead as far as Cavs HQ is concerned, so we'll come right back and start talking more Cavs basketball after this on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Sexton at the foul line. Alley oop to Allen, and he stumped it home. That length. Oladipo comes down the lane. Shot blocked by McGee off the glass. Here's Oladipo, left of the lane, hands it underneath the pat and put it up. Blocked by Allen. Out of there with it, Darius Garland. Garland to the forecourt. Garland at the top of the three-point arc. DG running the lane, scooped 
Denny rolled it home. Oh, Darius is off to a hot start here in the third. And we welcome you back. It's Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin Williams. Glad to bring it to you on the First Energy Cavaliers radio network. Well, you just heard that montage of block shots. Jim Jones, when you've got Jared Allen and then followed by JaVel McGee, there's some nights it's a block party down in that low block, correct? Yeah, it is, and uh, they've worked some things out. They both have tremendous effect on the combinations that they work with primarily. Uh, If you look at their stats, especially from, let's say, the 8th, ninth, and 10th game and up until the four-game winning streak, we're getting double-doubles, superstar double-doubles from those guys when you combine their stats. A tremendous impact on how these games turn out has been the center play. Well, we mentioned during the Open, Cavs on a four-game winning streak with one game left before the All-Star break. Cavs will be hosting Indiana Wednesday night at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. And, Jim, uh, we talked earlier about what you liked about the four-game winning streak. And uh, the first thing that we want to delve into here is just the leadership of J.B. Bickerstaff because this team really went through a tough stretch, 10 straight <laughs> losses, and they weren't just getting nipped at the buzzer. They were they were losing pretty handily, especially on that West Coast trip, and yet JB found a way to keep this team together. Talk about that job just as a head coach to not let the team fray. Well, let's break it up. In the first six games, they were 4-2. and two. In the next six games, they were 1-5. and five. Now, that's when all the injuries started. And they, you know, and uh, they hadn't got a full effect from the result of those injuries. Then the next six, they went four and two, and you could take a deep breath. And then what happened? They go the next 13 games. They go one and 12. And I'm telling you, I've seen teams. I've never been on a team that lost 26 games. But Mike Snyder and I have broadcast a couple of years of that, and we understand that once players get down on themselves. There is nothing, almost nothing, that we've seen coaches be able to do unless they make significant changes in personnel and they have to wait till next season. But somehow, someway, J.B. Bickerstaff giving interviews after every game from the first of the season in in the training camp to up to now has never shied away from his fundamental narrative. And that narrative has been unselfish play, playing together, and putting defense first. And I'm telling you, it has worked out for him. And probably the most significant difference has been the guard play, where Darius Garland has developed into the primary ball handler now, and they've got Sexton running off guard. And by doing that, Sexton has taken that next step. Every all-star he plays against in the last three weeks, he's outplayed. He's been a tremendous asset. The only guy I think that got the best of him uh, was the kid from Denver, the one that got 50. But uh, I'm telling you, other than that, we have the best young backcourt in basketball right now. Well, the Cavaliers are enjoying the four-game winning streak right now, Jim. And talking about JB, uh, let's hear what he has to say about the four-game winning streak. Our guys put in a lot of work. Um, We've had some ups and some downs, clearly, this year. Uh, but our guys, you know, because of their continued belief in one another uh, and the way that they compete and play together, um, you know, that puts us in the position uh, to get the wins that we've got these past few games. So you know, that's what it's about uh, to me, most importantly, is keeping our guys together 
uh, and rewarding them for their efforts. Jim, I've often thought that teams reflect the personality and the mentality of their coach, and this Cavs team really seems to have taken on JB's approach, just grit and keep working hard and don't make excuses. They believe it. And, Tim, there's two ways to approach this game, and I'm not trying to be scientific or anything, but but I've known this for a long time. There's, There's two perspectives about basketball. One is called the vertical game, which has more to do with, with uh, athletic and physical attributes. Can he jump? How long are his arms? You know, is he competitive? Does he have a high motor? You know, those are some of the basic fundamentals. But the other thing is called the horizontal game, which is in their heads. What are the intangibles? How do they come to the game? Do they prepare? Do they listen? Are they working on their fundamentals because they understand that that is the thing that, that put, that'll make them more competitive? You know, all of those mind things. And JB has not strayed from that since the first day he took over this job. He said, we want to change the culture. And the way we change the culture is we have to be totally unselfish and we have to play for each other and we have to defend first. And that has not changed. And finally, when they got on this 10 game losing streak, uh, I think all of that finally suck in because he had to do his best coaching in order to keep their heads positive. There's, there wasn't any doubt. They were competitive. They were still making mistakes, but you could see they were getting better every quarter. They, then they couldn't close, and then finally they broke through. This is what happens to young teams that believe in their coach. Well, for the first time since the 2017-2018 season, the Cavs with a four-game winning streak. It's been a while since they've ripped off four straight, and JB was asked about continuing to play winning basketball. You know, there's a certain way that we need to play in order to be successful. Uh, there's a certain style, right, where you, you know the difference between what winning basketball looks like. And we need to continue to play winning basketball regardless of the result, results. The shots aren't always going to go in, but we need to continue to move the ball and create those open looks for one another. Yeah, that's just a mentality, Jim. This is how we are going to play the game. Yeah, and, uh, and he deserves all the credit. And as we talked about you and I, you know, when he first got the job and we saw how training camp was going, he's the right man in the right place. And I'll say it again, you know, he is very demanding, but he's never demeaning, you know, so you can listen to him. The, the meeting that he had with Sexton last week or the week before, and he, and he had the Denver film and he showed him how everyone was guarding him. That was a man-to-man, honesty-honesty meeting. And for Sexton to come out of there and not have a negative thought in his mind and to look at it as an opportunity to get better. And the, and the benefit and the beneficiary has been the Cleveland Cavaliers. Sexton is on a tear. The kid is averaging over 27, 20, I think 29 points a game now uh, over the last four or five games. And that is unbelievable. His free throws are up. Not his free throws, but his assists are up, and his three-point shooting is up. He's playing some of the best basketball in our league. Well, Jim, you alluded to the Denver game for Colin, and that was part of that real rough West Coast road swing that the Cavaliers had. And with a rookie, number 5 selection overall, Isaac Okoro said, in a strange way, uh, that West Coast trip may have helped the Cavs. During the um, last month, you know, the West Coast trip, we played against a lot of great basketball teams, but playoff teams. So, I mean, just seeing how they play, how they move, how they defend, I feel like we've learned from the teams that we played against, too. 
and now we implement it into our game. So I feel like we've learned in that type of way. Yeah, young players learning how to win, Jim, whether you do it internally or seeing what other teams do, and the Cavaliers saw that. Well, well, can, yeah, can we talk a little literature here? Uh, 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 your show, babe. Faulkner once said, "The great most people call him the greatest writer of the 20th century, but I think it was Ellison. But anyway, he said he was asked the question, well, where do you get the ideas for all your stories? And he said, uh, from observation, experience, and imagination. And, you know, imagination has a lot to do with association, how you see yourself. You know, if they can do it, I can do it, that type of thing. And he said, uh, that's how human beings learn. And that's exactly, Okora is all over it. They had an opportunity to see what winning teams do, how they do it. And uh, they and so they tried to emulate, you know, and that's what they've done. They're trying to develop that winning habit. And when you do it more than once and you've got a winning streak of four, four games, what that's saying is that they're bought in. They have bought in to this style of play. All right. Jim, that was pretty deep. I tried to soak that all in and absorb Stop that, it. Jim. Stop. Stop. <laughs> We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're one game away from the All-Star break and the completion of the first half of the season. Jim and I will kind of take a look back at the first half, what stood out for us. So stay with us. It's Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavalier Radio Network. Cavs HQ is brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome. And welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. And, of course, we bring it to you on the First Energy Cavaliers radio network, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones, and we are Aided so well by Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, and Leo Simone. Great to have you with us as we talk Cavs basketball. Cavs will finish off the first half of the season Wednesday night at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Indiana will be in town, and then uh, the Cavs will take some time off for the All-Star break. And after that game with Indiana, we will be at the exact halfway point of the season. Game number 36 will be the Pacers contest. So, Jim... Well, we thought during this segment we'd kind of take a look back at the first half of the season, knowing we've got one more game to play. But uh, just your overall thoughts as far as uh, the first half of the 2020-2021 campaign has been. Well, you know, I I just keep coming back to the acquisition of Jared Allen. That was masterful because what that did, it accelerated the timeline for this uh, developing franchise to improve themselves and get to the point where they can be incredibly competitive every night. And now they have what they consider a strong nucleus, and I have to agree. And they've got some others, a couple of kids that come off the bench who are also young. They've got a young rookie who's been starting since day one who has been incredible, who has been incredible, who is finally developing into one of the heart and souls of this team because of his character and his demeanor and his competitive spirit. And I just think the acquisition of Jared Allen, and then when they were able to pick up McGee, JaVale McGee, during the summer, that was those two incredible moves uh, are just put this franchise 
get getting them closer to where they want to be. It just accelerated everything, Tim. Well, Jim, for me, uh, I'll start on a player side first, uh, and you certainly brought up a couple of great ones as far as uh, aiding and helping this team get better in uh, Jared Allen and JaVel McGee. I want to point out Darius Garland. I think his yes. game has grown by leaps and bounds in year two, and as you and I have talked during the broadcast, uh, he has become more of the point guard on this team. Uh, a little bit later on in the show, we'll hear from Mark Price, and Mark was a point guard who could score and I think Darius Garland kind of follows in that model he's a guy that has really become a scorer for this team while directing the offense which has freed up Colin Sexton you're you're all over it partner <laughs> you really are because I don't know when it happened you know I'm 71 now so I don't see things as quickly as I used to but what I did see that over the last six games they've been giving the ball to young Garland uh, to, to, to start the offense. So he's become the dominant ball handler, and he has to take the responsibility of a billion-and-a-half-dollar uh, uh, team. <laughs> you know, he you know right, he has become the, the pace setter. He has become the, the dominant uh, decision-maker, and they expect him to do certain things. And as Mark Price is going to mention, I'm sure, is that uh, they become the coach on the floor. And for him to accept all of that responsibility at such a tender young age. But what we've seen has been truly outstanding. His ability to catch and shoot, his ability to penetrate, his ability to finish, his ability to dribble, dish, and find the open man is way beyond his years. I affectionately call him the trickster. Yes, you do. The trickster! All right, here's a couple of games that stood out for me, Jim, uh, just to kind of go back through the first half. One was real early, but we talked in the previous segment about the grit, the mentality that this team has taken uh, with JB at the helm. That early double overtime win in Detroit when oh, the Cavs yes. trailed in regulation and then in the first overtime and they refused to wilt. And I think that game early on really set the I tone agree. for the mentality this team was going to have. I agree with you, Tim. I definitely agree. The, that toughness where, where all of us viewing the game and, and commentating the game and those people sitting at home with their popcorn said, oh, honey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up and go get a glass of water. They're done. They didn't quit. They kept believing in themselves. And they made something out of nothing they made big shot after big shot the double overtime win against Brooklyn obviously Colin Sexton with his career yes. high 42 the the three ball over Kyrie Irving to send the game into overtime and then the other game that I think is really huge not that long ago just this past Saturday in Philly Top team in the East. The lead got away from them in the fourth quarter, and again, they did not wilt. They showed their mental toughness. That's right, and I've always said this about Sexton. I said it uh, last season, and the people that know my commentary when Sexton first came here, I was one of his biggest critics because I saw what potentially he could be, and I didn't have the patience of a coach to understand that he was still developing and trying to figure things out. And then all of a sudden, he hits a stride. But something that's always been with this kid, he has a champion's heart. You know, they don't give in. They don't give up. And that he's played that way from day one in training camp all the way through to now. 
he is a champion in his own heart and he and you can teach other guys and they can start believing that too and all of that is a fundamental part of why they're better but that young backcourt you know teams can't plan for that they both are in attack mode they both can get to the paint at will trust me no one has been able to stop them from getting to the paint and when that happens sooner or later they're going to start collapsing and again and when they do then they'll be able to get more three-pointers. Yeah, competitiveness and fearlessness Yes, with Colin yes. Sexton. He is absolutely fearless. All right, Jim and I with a fun look back at the first half of the season. Let's hope uh, there's some real fun things in store as far as the second half of the year is concerned once it gets rolling uh, Friday, March 12th. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun with Mark Price. He's getting set to join us in the Legends Chair. What a guest to have on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. So stay with us. We're going to talk to Cavaliers legend Mark Price right after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has announced the 36th annual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony will return to Cleveland, Ohio on October 30th, 2021, and for the first time it will be held at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. The recently transformed Fieldhouse provides a new and truly world-class venue that prioritizes health and safety and offers increased space and flexibility to host the induction ceremony in Cleveland as part of a multi-year partnership. An internationally celebrated museum and attraction, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame generates an estimated $36.5 million to the Cleveland economy when the city hosts the induction ceremony. Additionally, Rock Hall visitors to Cuyahoga County play a significant role in Northeast Ohio's economy, driving $199 million of impact annually. Cavaliers in the community, brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be right back with more of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Price into the forecourt, he's looking for the three, and off balance, three good! Price hit the three with 4.1 seconds to go! Price swings behind Doherty to the top of the key, drops it to Brad, down the lane, wham with a right hand! Price to the top of the key, checked by Thomas, Price spins to the middle, up with a 10-footer, good! Price right wing to Hot Rod Drive, wham with a right hand! Price between the circles, around Hot Rod again to the right wing, fakes the three, shoots the three, new record! 34 for Mark Price. That's just awesome stuff. We welcome you back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones, and yes, you just heard the highlights from the legendary Joe Tate, NBA Hall of Fame announcer, as he called the plays of our guests in the Legends Chair for this edition of Cavs HQ. Mark Price joining us, and of course, it's always great to have somebody sitting in that Legends Chair that brings back a lot of memories, but... When it's a Cavalier legend that's sitting in the legend's chair, that makes it all the more special. And, of course, Mark Price, a 12-year NBA career, 9 with the Cavs. His career average, 15.2 per game, 4-time All-Star, 4-time All-NBA. Mark, it is really great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure to be with you guys. Well, what sort of memories do those uh, Joe Tate calls bring back to you? Oh, man, it brings back... Brings back lots of memories. Uh, playing with my guys, Brad, Larry, Hot Rod, 
Craig, uh, you know, Ron Harper in the early, early days, uh, just, you know, so much fun listening to Joe Tate, uh, the legend call the games. And, uh, although we didn't get to hear it while we were playing, uh, you know, you always heard it on the uh, replays. Hey, Mark, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was, was, uh, you were a new type of guard, uh, talking about being a combo guard. Of course, they had Tiny Archibald in the years before that, but he, it was based on more from necessity for him. When you and this young group of you and Doherty and then they brought in Nance and the Hot Rod, uh, you were a very talented team, but you were the leader of that team. And it was very obvious that every big shot, every big free throw was made by Mark Price. I still say to this day, you were the most loved Cavalier of all time. Well, those are uh, those are big and kind words, Jim. I, I appreciate that. Um, I was blessed and fortunate to play with a bunch of really, really great players, and and not only great players, but but good people. And uh, you know, we uh, you know we had a great run uh, coming in all together. Uh, I, I really think, Jim, you know it, that that. 1986 recruiting class is is yes. you just don't hear <laughs> enough about it. I, I don't I don't mm-hmm. know that that anybody's had a recruiting class uh, you know overall that matches that with with Brad Ron me uh, Johnny Newman was late in the second round and then you had Hot Rod who was drafted the year before but couldn't play so he yes. by all intents and purposes was a rookie as well. I mean that's five guys that played a long time and. and <laughs> And we're great players in the NBA, all drafted by the Cavaliers. Mark, looking at that group, those five young guys, uh, a few weeks ago, Jim and I had Lenny Wilkins in the Legends chair on Cavs HQ. Just talk about how Lenny worked with such a young basketball team. Well, I think Lenny was great, and he was perfect for, for our group uh, because, one, we, we, we were a, a lot of smart basketball players. You know, Lenny didn't have to, you know, overcoach us uh he just had to give us direction and at the same time he was very uh patient you know laid back he you know every you know when you're playing a bunch of young guys you know especially the first year so you know they're gonna make a lot of mistakes there's a growing process but you know if Lenny got upset with us he would always maybe pull us to the side and talk to us man to man he was never like yelling and screaming at us or trying to embarrass us and I think that uh, it just allowed us to grow. He, he allowed us and gave us our space to grow as players and in the meantime coaching us all the, all the way through it. And Mark, not that he favored you, it was a team, but because he had played the guard position and he played it in a similar way that you did, a, a point guard that could score, uh, did you sense that he took maybe a, a special interest in your play? Well, I, I think any time, you know, as a point guard, you know, the point guard is is a reflection of, of his coach probably more than any other player on the team. And, uh, you know, obviously Lenny was a great player. And, and so I, I felt very fortunate to come into a situation to learn, you know, from a Hall of Famer. And I think, you know, when I came in the league, Jim, Jim mentioned it earlier, I was a different kind of player because I, I just remember when I got in the league, the point guard position really wasn't a scoring position. I mean, you had a couple guys, Magic and Isaiah, that scored a little bit from the point, but everybody else was kind of a pass-first, kind of, uh, you know, run the team, you know, kind of a Mo Cheeks uh, kind of kind of point guard. 
And yet, you know, my biggest asset was my ability to shoot, my ability to score. And, and uh, a lot of teams didn't, you know, with my size being being small, didn't know what to do with that. But, you know, Lenny, Lenny, I think, loved that, that, that I did could do that. And he felt like, you know what, he could teach me a lot of the other things about running the point guard position. But, you know, you can't find, you can't teach a kid how to shoot like that. <laughs> and, 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 score. and, uh, and so he, uh, you know, he really, you know, allowed me to thrive and being who I was as a player and then adding the other pieces to my game. Mark, we have, uh, uh, the thing that, uh, I'd have to disagree with you a little bit. You were a great shooter, but I think the intangible about you is your toughness. And, you know, I've, you know, I've I've had a chance to spend time with your dad and and your your brothers. We'll talk about that in the second half. But uh, what are your thoughts on uh, those those great games you guys played against the Chicago Bulls? Of anybody during that era, no one played them tougher and harder and had the matchups to deal with them like the Cleveland Cavaliers. Talk a little bit about that. Well. I mean, obviously, you know, Chicago was a great team, you know, with Michael uh, being the, the main guy. But obviously, when they kept adding pieces like Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant and all those guys, um, you know, they they won a lot of championships. And uh, But I agree with you, Jim, and the fact that I felt like we, we posed the biggest threat to them of anybody um, coming up. I mean, I tell people all the time they want to talk about the shot. You know that was that was back when there was only a five game first round series, right? And uh, that particular season, we had beaten Chicago six out of six times. We were six and zero against the Bulls going into that series, and unfortunately, I I was hurt. I didn't even play the first game of that first round series. Uh, we had other guys banged up, and you know, just some unfortunate timing. Uh, you know, and people kind of laughing, but I was like, we were we were a better team at that point in time than than the Bulls. We we showed it during the regular season and, you know, even as banged up as we were, you know, it took a miracle shot by Michael to beat us, you know, uh, in that first round. And so, um, you know, those are some great, great battles. And I don't, you know, once again, I, I think we get slided our team a little bit because we never got could get past the Bulls, but no one challenged, you know, we took them to the wire. I don't know how many yeah. times and that, that guy Jordan just, just seemed to be able to raise it to another level, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, we'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll talk more with one of the all-time Cavalier legends. He has settled into the Legends chair on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Mark Price. So stay with us. Welcome back to Cavs HQ. It's presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones, settling into that legend's chair very comfortably. Cavalier legend, Mark Price, other side of the window, doing a great job as always, Kurt McLaughlin and Marty Allen. Mark, I want to do one more follow-up on the Chicago Bulls question and that great run by the Cavaliers, and the only thing in their way was Chicago. The Cavs team that Michael beat with the shot, do you think that was the best Cavs team that had a chance to win a championship? I really do. I, I feel like, uh, you know, we had all the pieces. You know, we were just extremely young at that point. That was one of the first, you know, kind of playoff, couple years of playoffs experience for us. But, 
you know, with me and Ron Harper, Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, guys like Craig Yelo, Hot Rod Williams coming off the bench. I mean, we were just, you know, one through eight, you know, we were, we were as good as anybody in the league. And, uh, I definitely feel like, you know, with having that slasher player like Ron was and his ability to to be able to handle the ball, run the point, allow me to come off screens. And we we had a way of changing things up, and we had a lot of size across the board. Um, You know, besides me, I mean, uh, everybody else was about 6'7 or or, or taller, you know, in our lineup. So, you know, um, we posed a lot of problems for people, and and I definitely think that that we were – talented enough team to win it all for sure wow good point you know one of the things mark you, uh, and you're exactly right uh, you you never got enough credit you know but such is the way of pro sports especially in the nba you know if you don't win it all they think that there's nothing comparable anyway i want to talk about one summer i called i called you i think i called you uh, probably before the season ended to come to my camp and speak to my kids at my camp at Tri-C. And uh, you graciously agreed. And when you got there, you brought your father and your brother. And your dad, we brought him in and people were going crazy over you. And and uh, so, we, so we put you guys in the office and your dad didn't stay in the office. As soon as I shut the door, he came back out and was watching the camp. And he walked up to me and he said, I want to run your camp today. I said sure, <laughs> and uh, you know, and you know him better than all of us do. And he ran my camp to the point that at lunchtime, after you guys left, you know what I did? I went and took notes. And from the next fifteen to eighteen years after that, we ran our camps based upon the the, the style, the fundamentals that your dad was talking about. And uh, I will never forget that. In fact, some people will come to me and say, you know, I remember that camp because I was a young kid and I went to that camp and we were in awe of Mark Price's father. They didn't mention you any more than that. <laughs> about how great he was. Your Gret, talk a little bit about your dad and what he instilled in you and your brother. Yeah, my dad was, uh, he was an amazing guy. I don't think I ever knew anybody that, that just loved loved the game of basketball more than more than he did and he loved helping people it didn't it didn't matter like if you were a pro like bobby phils one summer flew out to enid oklahoma to spend a week with my dad and my dad helped his shot or if you were you know a 10 year old kid you know in the neighborhood it's like if you wanted some help or you want you know my dad just he loved teaching he loved he loved the game and uh you know so uh and he loved he loved camps that's why you know he he just loved that that time of just that group time that individual time of teaching the game to kids and uh and so he was uh you know i i I was blessed because i was kind of a guinea pig with my dad all those years because he uh his pet peeve was shooting and free throws and Mm -hmm. i remember in high school I'd come home and I probably had a game where I had about 30 points and about 12 assists. And the only thing he wanted to talk about was the free throw that I missed in the game. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it was like, hey, that was a pretty good game, but what happened on that free throw? <laughs> you know, so, 
You know, I was like, that's one of the reasons I wanted to be a good free throw shooter because I didn't want to have to listen to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, you you must be able to see the notes I have written here in front of me because in my notes I have three-time free throw shooting champion as far as percentage, a career 90% free throw shooter. I've always said coaches' kids – are great free throw shooters because <laughs> their dad is the coach and he wants them to hit free throws. So perhaps my theory is right. <laughs> oh, no doubt. No doubt about it. You know, his big thing was, he goes, they call him free for a reason, man. Those are free points. Don't give them back. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, uh, you were also known for your long range shooting. We talked about that during the first segment and uh, coming up this weekend in Atlanta, where you are now located, uh, you know the Georgia area pretty well. All-Star Day, not necessarily a weekend this year, but uh, I want you to look back on the three-point shot contest and just your thoughts as you were going into it and taking part in it. Uh, that was pretty special for us Cavs fans to watch you knock down threes. That was a lot of fun, especially in 93 uh, and 94 when I won you know, the shootout back-to-back. I think somebody one year, I think it was the the first one in 93 in Utah uh, when I won that. And then I played in the all-star game and hit six threes uh, <laughs> in, in the game. And I think somebody had, had uh, done the statistics and said, you know, for that weekend, I shot about 80% from the three-point line <laughs> oh, wow. for that weekend. Wow. So uh, it was uh, – that was a special weekend and, and, and a lot of fun and, and uh, obviously uh, – you know, had a lot of support from the Cavs fans, and it was it was just uh, it was just an exciting time for for our team and, and for me individually as well. Well, Mark, I just want to say that uh, I appreciate our friendship, and I know that you were involved in the Cavs uh, on uh, draft day. Talk 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 a few minutes about that. You know, how did that come about? Well, I uh, I got a call this. Uh, this summer and uh from Cody Altman and and uh just mentioned hey I we're we're looking at a few guys you know this is once they found out they had the fifth pick and they had they had two or three guys they were interested in and uh they just kind of wanted my opinion at the give my thoughts on take a look at them watch some film and so I spent some time with that and and, and gave them my input uh, and so it was a lot of fun, you know, uh, I appreciated that, that Kobe reached out like that. It, it meant a lot. And, uh, cause I'm always wanting to help the Cavs any way I can, you know, I, I love the organization. Um, you know, obviously my, my Jersey's hanging in the Raptors there. And so there's that special, special relationship that even though I played bounced around a little bit toward the end of my career, nobody that I ever run into, they, everybody associates me with the Cavaliers and, my time there playing and, and, uh, and I just felt like I had such a special relationship with the fans while I played and, and still even do whenever I come back up to watch a game or come up in the Cleveland area, I feel it's, it's kind of like I never left, you know, the, the fan, the Cavs fans have always been great and gracious uh, to me and my family. And, and so that's a, that's a relationship that will always be there. So I was more than happy to try to help them in any way I could. And, uh, that's kind of how that, that happened. Well, Mark, as someone who was a Cavs fan long before I became the NBA play-by-play uh, -play announcer for the Cavs, I want to tell you, uh, we had a special relationship with you as well. You were a joy to watch on the hardwood. Well, I appreciate that, and, uh, you know, enjoy talking to you guys. Uh, Jim, it's always a pleasure, man, and uh, 
Wish you guys the best, and we'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Mark Price sitting in the Legends chair on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. And we'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll put the finishing touches on this week's edition. So stay with us on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Welcome back. Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Jim, we've got to wrap this one up. Again, a huge thank you to Mark Price for sitting in the Legends chair. Boy, you hear Mark and... Of course, we open things up with the Joe Tate calls. It brings back great memories, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, Mark Price was one of my special players, and I remember those games particularly because I was doing television for 10 years at the time. So I saw him come in, and uh, the first time I saw him at 5'11", I looked at him and I said, uh, he's got to be 12 or 13. There's no question about (laughs) it. At least, okay, he's 13. You know, I mean, he had that, that boyish look. But what I didn't know, of course, and I always mention the intangibles, his heart was unbelievable. He had a lion's heart, fearless, highly competitive, and had the know-how to get things done. Yeah, he had a competitive fire like nobody else. Well, Jim, we have some time off, and then the second half of the year starts Friday the 12th when the Cavs are in New Orleans. I'm looking forward to the second half of the season. Yeah, I am too, because uh, there's a lot of solid and positive things that have happened. Now our young players have tremendous experience in their individual games and from the team concept. I expect them to be even better. I would agree with you. All right, that's going to do it. Of course, a great big thank you to Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone, Jim Jones. A huge thank you to you, and of course, the biggest thanks to you, the listeners. Hope you enjoyed this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. And for all of the above, Tim Elkhorn saying thanks much for dialing in and so long, everybody. Cavs HQ was brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome. Welcome.